Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, June 20th. This week marks the 10-year anniversary of the devastating 2013 flood. We took the opportunity to look back at the historic event with Karen Young, current president and CEO of the United Way of Calgary and area, who led the emergency social services response team for the city of Calgary at the time. Then we look at the impact the disaster had on local businesses. We speak with Sal Howell, owner and founder of the River Cafe. Sal recounts the incredibly difficult task of cleaning up after the flood to bring the iconic restaurant back to life. And finally, earlier this week, it was announced that WestJet will be winding down operations of newly acquired Sunwing Airlines. How will this decision impact the options and affordability of air travel for Canadians? We get the thoughts of the travel lady, Leslie Cater. Ten years ago, the power of community was on full display when Calgarians came together during flood recovery efforts. Joining us to discuss is Karen Young, President and CEO of United Way of Calgary and Area. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good. Thank you so much for taking the, the time with us and reflecting back on this important occasion. It's hard to believe it was 10 years ago, and it seems like every Calgary and all four corners of the city have some experience when it comes to the floods. Now, I know you were on the front line during the 2013 flood leading the emergency social services response for the city of Calgary. Can you take us back to those days and, and what's the biggest takeaway for you? Yeah, well, thank you for that. You know, I woke up this morning, there it was, uh, raining and cold, and it kind of reminded me about uh, June 20th, uh, 10 years ago, when we all uh, got together in the new uh, emergency operations center. And at the time, Chief Burrell and then uh, Chief Tom Sampson were leading those efforts with us. And then I was asked to help coordinate uh, with our agencies and the sector, the social sector, And I was just really amazed about how people uh, really came together to care for Calgarians. It was, you know, a time when there was so much risk to property, but more important, there was risk to human lives. And so we were really focused on making sure that everybody uh, was going to be safe. And what was really overwhelming was the caring spirit of Calgarians wanting to step forward, boots on the ground, and to really get involved. So I remember working with a colleague, uh, Jason Cameron, to organize a boots on the ground event out of McMahon Stadium. And we stayed up all night you know, to organize the event. Social media was fairly new at the time. We had it uh, sent out by Twitter. And if you can believe it, the next day, we had over thousands of people show up to McMahon Stadium with their boots, their their shovels, their garbage bags, you know, ready to help out. Transit provided all the buses, and we sent people out, you know, to communities like Sunnyside and Bonass and others. Uh, to really help neighbors and make sure that neighbors were helping neighbors uh, during that time. And I often reflect back on that caring spirit of when we all come together, government, agencies, everyday Calgarians, it's really amazing what we can do uh, when we work together. It's true, Karen. You know, we're talking with our listeners this morning about what they remember most. And it seems most of the memories revolve around people, some specific people, but others just individuals who came together as a community to help each other out and to take care of what needed to be taken care of because it was such a disaster. So, you know, kind of you personally, you've touched on it a bit, but as the Director of Community and Neighbourhood Services and just as a citizen of Calgary, what, what did you learn most about this community about the compassion and and 
sort of the the things that people were able to 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 pull out really and manage to do when we came together. Yeah, it's really interesting the culture that we have here in Calgary. You know, the whole idea that no one can do it alone, but there's also this can-do spirit uh, that we can. Uh, help each other and and take care of one another and you probably you know heard about all the neighbor day events you know that were going on you know um kind of in memory of what was happening and so the idea of building uh capacity in community i remember the bonus you know community association i uh, was really mobilizing an emergency center and i know at the time i was coordinating with united way at the time and getting neighborhood workers out in community and and that sense of pride uh, for our communities you know really spawned ideas like our community hubs initiative that is working in neighborhoods today it's that we can take care of each other we care about one another and we're seeing it you know through the pandemic through the floods and the idea that you know we have to keep our tank full so that we can be responsive uh, to these issues when they arise and that there will be more um floods or disasters that we need to be able to to be there for but i really believe that calgarians do come together and help one another we are speaking with Karen Young, a president and CEO of United Way of Calgary and area, and is very much involved when it comes to the 2013 floods. Uh, you were very much, uh, you know, on the ground floor helping out uh, with the city, Karen. And uh, what's interesting to me is, as we look at the calendar, uh, as we stand today in 2023, today's the 20th, we've got 17 days away to the greatest outdoor show on earth, Stampede. And I want to take us back 10 years ago, because really the first you know, real test for Calgarians besides those folks, you know, getting the water out of their basement and us being safe was, would we have a stampede? Do you remember those mm-hmm. discussions from your vantage point 10 years ago and we ended up having a stampede? What was that like? I know it was just, you know, we had all these conversations at the emergency operations center. And at the time, you know, Mary, Mary Nenshi was leading us and we would work like overnight and we were just constantly in huddles trying to create policy and new ways of doing things and I do remember you know the conversation about uh, the stampede because you remember the saddle dome and everything uh, was just so you know flooded out but because of who we are you know as Calgarians you know we weren't going to take no for an answer so people really pulled together you know to make sure we could still bring that community spirit Uh, back and I even remember during the pandemic when things you know weren't working well for the the stampede either we had partnered with them to do the basic needs roundup and people had put all these you know basic needs supplies food diapers every water all out on their lawns and dressed up for the stampede so in Calgary we do have that western spirit and uh, nothing's going to stop us you're not with the city of Calgary any longer, but from your time there at that time, what, what do you think the city has learned from the floods and then, you know, response to major crises like this? Yeah, the city, you know, the amount of uh, training and support, you know, we received as city employees at the time, the amount of investment in emergency response. But then I remember being on the recovery 
a task force afterwards. And so really coming together on, you know, flood mitigation, how we were going to build up communities and really focusing again in on those neighbourhoods and then also looking at that long-term resiliency. So there's been a lot of effort and coordination through the city to make sure that response to emergency recovery and long-term rebuilding is in place. And I think we're really lucky that we have such a strong uh, government, municipal government here in Calgary. And United Way is proud to be a partner on many initiatives, whether it's poverty work, whether it's mental health and addiction, or uh, whether it's our neighbourhood development work. Karen, just before we let you go, I'd like to you know use our platform to give you a plug with the United Way. Uh, what, uh, what is up for the United Way over the summer months? Yeah, well, we're really excited about uh, our fall uh, campaign that will kick off on September 21st. And so we're really getting mobilized uh, right now on making sure our companies and uh, our community partners are well poised to get together to talk about key issues. We're really focusing in this year on socioeconomic well-being, mental health uh, and addiction, social inclusion and making sure that uh, everyone feels like they belong. Wonderful. Thank you so much, and thanks for joining us this morning to uh, remember 10 years ago today, the floods of 2013. Thanks, Sue and Andy, for having me, and uh, have a great day. Thanks, you too. Karen Young, current president and CEO of the United Way of Calgary and Area, and back in 2013, Director of Community and Neighbourhood Services for the City of Calgary. We've been reflecting on the 2013 Calgary flood boy 10 years ago, marking the 10th anniversary today. And joining us to talk about how businesses were impacted, and particularly hers, is Sal Howell, who is founder and proprietor of River Cafe. Good morning to you, Sal. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Good morning, Sue. River Cafe down on Princess Island Park, uh, you know, devastated, obviously, back then. Take us back those 10 years when the river started cresting and you started seeing that water really rising at Princess Island. What were you thinking? Did you even have a concept of how much water would eventually come? Uh, No idea. Um, I I think many people will remember that uh, this was a very unusual flood because it wasn't uh, an accumulation of weeks uh, of rain or days of rain, there was a an extraordinary uh, rain event that happened the day before. And um, I remember the morning of uh, Thursday, June 20th, um, hearing from friends in Canmore that there was this incredible flooding event happening. And, and, and it still didn't, you know, occur to me that this was a tidal wave that was heading down the river towards us. But uh, by mid-afternoon that day, we were getting... Um, notice to uh we were on notice to evacuate but uh we had flooded before and so i kind of thought and knew what how this was going to go um and uh we we did what we could to mitigate damage and loss within the building but when the waters actually came over the banks of uh, princess island park the water was coming fast and furiously and at that point i realized oh my god this is so much worse and uh it then it started to sink in mm-hmm. what was going to happen and that <laughs> so i want to take it back further beyond the flood in the sense that you have this incredibly well iconic restaurant in the city of calgary it's it's one of a kind but nevertheless uh, having a successful restaurant's like you know lightning striking and they talk about the challenges of opening a business you know, the menu the creation the decorating of the restaurant 
Preparing for a natural disaster, though, is that something, uh, did you have any experience, or is that something that ever entered your mind as a business owner, that this could happen to the River Cafe? Well, uh, I, it, it wasn't something in my mind until we were in 2005. We had a flood event in 2005, and that did actually, that was the first time that I realized that this magical place that we'd created on Princess Island Park was actually in something called a floodway. And uh, the island is it in the middle of a river. You, right? Because you know, you've had 100 years, and then you have... It's yeah. a beautiful spot. Yeah. It's a beautiful spot. What could go wrong? No, it is, it is magical, and it is, uh, it sits in the middle of the river on an island. So, um, yeah, in 2005, we had, a, we had a flood event that was very easy in retrospect, to clean up from what happened in 2013 was utterly devastating. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the the restaurant does sit a little bit higher. It was all the lower level and infrastructure that was damaged, and it's all replaceable. But it's, a, it's an extraordinary experience to go through. I think, you know, in hospitality, we've come to learn, expect the unexpected and, and uh, you know, one thing after another. So, um you never know. Nothing prepares you. There's no game plan to know what are all the things that could ever go wrong, ever. Wow. <laughs> Sal, as we look back 10 years now, you've brought some notes in with you that you took yeah. one year forward. So in 2014, some things that you remembered that had happened a year prior. So when these floods did happen in 2013, give us some of the ones that you sort of, when you read back now, you think, oh my gosh, I can't believe that that was our reality. Oh, absolutely. You know, it was lunchtime on Thursday, June 20th, and we were given um, notice that, uh, that that the river could be flooding, and, and again, could be, not imminently going to be devastatingly flooded. Um, we had about five hours' notice um, uh, to evacuate. Um, you know, the, the normal flow on the Bow River is about 150 uh, cubic meters per second. The water flow on January uh, June 20th was... Uh, 1740 wow. you know it's 10 times the more than 10 times the volume um we we were we we moved very quickly i think based on our experience in 2005 and and we uh we started gearing up very quickly even as we were flooding um and we managed to reopen after 52 days which i think was an extraordinary accomplishment in itself but, um, you know, uh, it took us 26 days to wash the dishes from uh, that lunchtime on, on uh, Thursday, <laughs> June 20th. Wow. Sometimes that lost... happens at my house, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, uh, we put everyone to work. We didn't lay anyone off. There was so much to do. Um, you know, we had, we had uh, about seven foot of water in the lower level. But one of the most challenging things, there was no vehicle access to Princess Island Park, so we had to do all this um, manually. So we're cleaning out um, everything that was damaged and all this, um, uh, sadly, all the food that was rotting after having had no power. And we continued to not have power for a long time, but um, we, it was 14 days before we got vehicle access to the island. So we were cleaning and throwing things away and then wheeling those big bins across mm. the island by hand over a footbridge so that it could get picked up so that we could do it all over again. Um, yeah, things, you know, some of the myths people thought, well, we, of course, we lost a lot of wine in our wine cellar. Um, and everyone assumes you lose all those wine labels, but uh, we didn't lose any wine labels on the wine. It just the water came up and went down and left a big uh, nasty mess. Um, you know, uh, the other thing that uh, I think people, you know, forget was, uh, you know, how contaminated the, the, the water and the, it was like a mm. swamp. Um, I remember how uh, the mosquito issue on the island, it was, uh, I wrote down that we, you know, we used 11 bottles of um, mosquito repellent during that <laughs> cleanup. But I think, you know, uh, all of that, 
you know, the fondest memories, and it's odd to say fond because it really has become a fond memory, was the extraordinary support and how this event brought people together. We we were um, overwhelmed with love and support and people who wanted to physically help us or help us from afar, help us in any way. And, and uh, you know, we in turn also... Um, shared our equipment and shared our experience and 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 tried to help uh, everywhere we could while we were dealing with 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 the uh, recovery ourselves. You have made incredible preparations. You were talking about uh, with us off mic as far as changes to the electrical your facility and literally like a fire drill. You can get all the infrastructure that you need when it comes to some of these appliances out in a number of hours as of today, right? Well, it happened last year. We had uh, a, a flood event, which didn't result in a flood, but we were ordered to uh, leave the island and that the power was going to be cut. Um, and uh, we put out a call to uh, friends and family and patrons in our network, and uh, people arrived, and people arrived with trucks, and we did uh, empty the building. It was extraordinary in, in, in just a matter of a few hours. Um, uh, so w- with you know, we, we do move forward with a with some knowledge of, of what to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a magical place, but mm-hmm. uh, it definitely has a vulnerability. I hope we don't yeah. see it too often. I think that's what makes it so magical, though, right, is sitting on the banks of the Bow River in such a beautiful, beautiful spot. And what Andy was talking to, that, you know, you've moved the electrical from the basement to the roof now, in hindsight, so that you know that that can be something that is taken care of. But, uh, you know, your chance to, to give us a little uh, a, a little loving about your restaurant and, and why people should visit it if they've never been down to Princess Island to see it. Oh, it is. Uh, it, I mean, it's beautiful. It's in the city's main park. It's a beautiful island park. It's it's uh, it, it's it's gorgeous. And, and you know, it's uh, so interesting that, of course, um, June is typically our wettest month. It's a nice rainy day today, but we really need this rain this this year. Um, but uh, I mean, it, it, it's it summertime is uh, extraordinary down there. But it, I think what's well, magical and extraordinary in any season. It's pretty special. Oh, incredible. Yes. Keep doing what you do, Sal. We appreciate it. We appreciate you sharing your stories, particularly since you had notes. I right? taken exactly. you know, hours and days after. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Sal Howell is founder and proprietor of River Cafe. Find out more about what they do online at river-cafe.com. We got the news that WestJet is shutting down Sunwing Airlines, merging it with their mainline business. So all those options are slowly disappearing. And to talk all about that, to explain sort of what it means for us if we want to do any traveling, as we love to check in with the lady who knows it all. She is the travel lady, Leslie Cater. Hi, Les. How are you? Hi. Good morning, Sue. So I know you've done some uh, some information, some some deep dive into this. Mm-hmm. What does it mean for, for us? I, I mean, overall, obviously, Les Cop competition, right? Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm a big fan of competition and and that's important. And we don't have a lot of it here in Canada. However, looking at the big picture here, what this is going to mean for the consumer, I think it's going to be better in the long run. WestJet is saying that they're still going to operate Sunwing Vacations as a separate brand under the WestJet group. But the benefit here is that they're going to merge all of their aircraft so that they're going to have that aircraft that can step in when you've got mechanical failure, when you've got uh, schedule changes. Uh, Because, you know, Sunwing did not have a lot. They had 30 aircraft. That's not a lot. Mm. So I book, like, for example, go to a website that says Sunwing Vacations, but it would just happen to be that it would be a WestJet plane that I'd be uh, loaded onto. 
Exactly. That's the plan. I mean, it's going to take a while for this to happen, but they're going to consolidate all the aircraft under one brand, being WestJet. And I think that's going to be about 180 they're going to be able to have access to. But don't forget, that's 180 air crews as well that you're going to have. So this gives a lot of depth. You've got a great pool of aircraft and people that you can use. And the promise is that this means they're going to expand their network to uh, areas where they don't have year-round service. They're going to be offering year-round service. So uh, they have promised that they're going to keep those Sunwing affordable packages. uh, So there'll be different levels of packages. And of course, these things, as I said, take time. We're probably not going to see this until 2024. It's, It's going to take a while. But at the end of the day, and I'm a big competition junkie, but I think this is going to be good for the consumer. Do you really think, though, there will continue to be the the low-cost sort of side of things? I I think so, because bear in mind, they're still in competition with Air Canada, and Air Canada has more aircraft than WestJet. And we've still got the other players on the side, like the transats of the world. So, yeah, I think... I think they will do that because there is a market there for that. Why would you turn away from a market that is looking for affordable packages down to Puerto Vallarta, uh, quite happy with like a four-star? So I think their vision is that they're going to offer layers of packages, maybe Sunwing handling the more affordable. And then when you get up into the WestJet vacations, maybe they're going to be going with the more five-star brands. Interesting times. I guess we'll see how things unfold in the meantime. (laughs) Thanks so much, Leslie. Okay, thanks, Andy. She's Leslie Cater, the Travel Lady. Find out more about what she does online at thetravellady.ca.